Pastor Rick Xavier Reese and this fair warning on today's Simple Truths. Jesus proclaimed in the parable of the wheat and the tares, the judgment to come in Matthew 13. God never has brought judgment without giving sufficient waiting for people to repent. Noah's day, he gave 120 years. Sodom and Gomorrah, he sent some angels down. Pharaoh, he sent Moses. The world has been warned for 2,000 years through the New Testament and the church. He's coming. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. An unannounced visit from an old friend, a birthday party, a visit from Publishers Clearinghouse. Some surprises are good, but there's one day you don't want to take you by surprise. Today, in his continued look at the prophecies from the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, Pastor Xavier unveils an important aspect about what's to come during the last days. Let's listen. The message is entitled Ezekiel and the Day of the Lord. Uh, The particular prophetic section of Ezekiel between chapters 34 and 39 falls under the period that is known as the Day of the Lord. So in order to give some perspective, uh, because we've been for a while, uh, we want to see how these chapters fit into this theme of the day of the Lord that runs through the Old and New Testament and how it falls in place with the rest of the scriptures, because the Bible is Genesis to Revelation, and it's very consistent, and, 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 and there's, there's a running theme, and, and there's a schedule going on, and um, God has put it all together. Now, there are different uh, opinions as to the duration uh, that it covers, the phrase, the day of the Lord. Some say it covers just the seven years of tribulation. Others say it covers the tribulation till the second coming. Still others say it covers the tribulation till the millennial. And then, uh, last of all, there's those who cover the tribulation all the way to the new heaven and the new earth. So you have different opinions, stuff like that. But again, as you know, we want to be good Bereans, Acts 17, 11, always looking to the criteria of Scripture, because Scripture is the authority for all things, and we want to be as close to what the Scriptures say, rather than guessing, searching it out. So as we go through the Scriptures, and again, we can't do it exhaustively, but I want to give you some frame this morning so you can fit Ezekiel in and how it fits in the whole plan with Zechariah, Revelation, stuff like that. Uh, we'll see what the Scriptures tell us. Uh, regarding this period. So what we want to do is look to the scriptures regarding the day of the Lord based on three perspectives. These are three hooks to hang your thoughts on. Uh, First, we want to begin with the day of the Lord in the Old and the New Testament. And again, not exhaustive, but to get some ideas so we can get some parameters what it includes. Then second, we want to look at the day of the Lord according to Joel because he's the key prophet for that. And we want to go through his book there, just mention some things. And then we'll finish up with the day of the Lord and the events. Again, not exhaustive, but so you get an idea of the things that are covered within that period. Uh, So let's begin here with the day of the Lord based on the Old and the New Testament. Um, The word day in quotations is found in the scriptures and is known by other names also, such as the day of Jehovah or Yahweh, whichever you want to pronounce it, that day, the great day, and It appears more than 75 times in the Old Testament. It is key. It is identified with God's wrath, not with his love, and it's wrath upon a sinful world, a time of affliction, distress, darkness, 
indignation, dissolution, punishment, and judgment. And this is consistent in both Old and New Testament. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Zephaniah, Malachi, Matthew, 2 Peter, Revelation, many, many books. Now, these scriptures identify the day of the Lord as encompassing, as you go through them, the tribulation, which is the first three and a half years, the great tribulation, which is the last three and a half years, and the millennial, which is the thousand-year reign, which will also bring in the new heaven and the new earth, as you know, where righteousness dwells. In fact, 2 Peter 3, 10 through 13, says that the day of the Lord would come as a thief in the night. And it includes the time period extended to the new heaven and the new earth after the millennial. The heavens shall melt away with fervent heat. So just by looking at the Old Testament scriptures to the New Testament, it sets for us a parameter that it includes all the way to the new heaven, the new earth. So we don't have to guess. It starts at a particular time, as we'll see, and it goes all the way to the new heaven and the new earth, which is after the thousand-year reign. It is described by the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2 through 4, as a thief in the night, a time of false peace and safety, which will bring upon sudden destruction. Uh, labor pains upon a pregnant woman. This is the illustration. And they shall not escape, Paul says. But the believer is not in darkness that, that they should overtake him as a thief. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2 through 4, when Paul says this, he has just finished in the previous chapter, chapter 4, verse 13 through 18, to speak about the Lord's coming for his church in the rapture. We shall be caught up together with the Lord to the clouds. And we will be with our loved ones forevermore. He makes a purposeful distinction and contrast. In chapter 4, at the, to the end there, he's finished talking about the rapture. Then he goes on to chapter 5 to speak about the day of the Lord that did not take the believer as a thief in the night. That darkness. Clearly showing that the believer is not included in this period. He makes the distinction and the contrast of it. Very, very clear. Now, the obvious conclusion from comparing the scriptures is the following then. The day of the Lord begins when the rapture of the church takes place. Both happen simultaneously. So if the rapture happened tonight, the day of the Lord would begin. The statement that no man knows the day or the hour has to refer to the rapture of the church. Unless it also simply refers to the world of unbelievers who have heard about the Lord's return but simply have not believed it. And it catches them as a thief, as Jesus says in Matthew 24, 36. It is interesting that both events are said to be as a thief in the night, the rapture and the second coming. Okay? Now, the reason we know that it, including the rapture of the church about the day and that it's talking about that is because Daniel, if you remember when we talked about him in the seventh week of Daniel, is that he gives us the very day when Jesus returns to the earth at the second coming. 
He says, when the abomination of desolation is spoken by Daniel the prophet in Daniel 12, 11, and Jesus gives the mark, Matthew 24, 15, count down 1,290 days. So if you're left behind for the tribulation, take this note. When the Antichrist goes into the Holy of Holies in the temple that he will rebuild and declares himself to be God, you can count down 1,290 days, look up to the east, and I and Jesus will be coming back with the church. And I'll be part of the church. And that's the only time you'll see me on a horse. <laughs> that's it. But that abomination of desolation has to take place before the countdown begins, you understand? The day of the Lord is to the believer a day of joy, caught up together with our loved ones in the cloud, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17. The day of the Lord to the unbelievers is a day of doom, given over to strong delusion to believe the lie, 2 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. The whole world is crying out for peace, peace, but it's false peace that's going on. We kind of just turn our eyes and our backs, oh, everything's going to work out. Well, not the way you plan it. And we don't want to get involved. And we turn our mind away from the reality of what's going on in the world as Americans today. And, um, and that's not reality. The day of the Lord describes a period of time then. The day of the Lord does not describe so much a one-time event, though that is certain, but... It also describes a period that has many events. So it begins at the rapture. It goes to the end, to the new heaven, new earth. So you've got a lot of events that go on during this period known as the day of the Lord. That's important. The day, in quotations, will begin again, the seven-year tribulation. It runs through the millennial kingdom to the new heaven, new earth. The rapture of the church is a one-time event, removing the bride of Christ from this earth as a thief in the night. The day of the Lord also describes the event, as I said, as a thief in the night. A period of time which begins the seven-year tribulation, runs through the great tribulation, and again, it acts in simultaneous start as the rapture. False peace, false promises, false security. Our, our nation's economy is a good example of that. It seems like we're okay, but we have such great debt that our nation could collapse in a week if things went bad. Look at our society. They tell you, come on. You know, they've got the Hummer, they've got the two cars, they've got the boat, but they don't own anything. The banks own it. Revelation 3.10, the promise of the Church of Philadelphia is this. Listen, because you have kept my commandment to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which will come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth, earth dwellers. I'm not an earth dweller. I'm a heavenly citizen. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a sojourner. The promise is to the church of Philadelphia, to the Christian who's a Philadelphia, the one who's looking for his Lord, the one who's walking with God. That's the promise. It's the only one that has the promise of the seven churches. 
The day of the Lord will also be identified with a confederacy of nations also that will attack Israel. That's where Ezekiel comes in. More specifically, there are others who mention it. But Ezekiel 38 and 39, the chief character who will attack is Russia, Gog, Magog. We're going to get into that more specific later on, but I just want to just give you an overview. Now, some place this battle at the end of the tribulation. I don't see how, but they do. Others put it at the beginning, which I believe it is, and I'll show you why. And some put it in the middle, which I don't know where they get that, but either way. I personally believe that it will take place at the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. All you have to do is look at Ezekiel. In 39, verse 9, listen to what it says. Then those who dwell in the cities of Israel will go out and, and set the fire and burn the weapons, both the shields, the bucklers, the bows, the arrows, the javelins, the spears, and they will make fire with them for seven years. The context is the battle where Russia and her confederacy of nations attack Israel. They will take the weapons of war and burn them. What does he say? Seven years. There's seven years tribulation. Three and a half, three and a half. 42 months, 42 months. Seven year, the 70th week. It's real simple. The attack has to come at the beginning. So as the rapture takes place, the day of the Lord begins, and the attack of Russia with the confederacy of nations will take place just before the rapture, right at the rapture, or right after the rapture. Because it has to be seven years, you understand? It can't be at the end, because at the end, we have the thousand-year reign. It can't fit anywhere else. Our confederacy of nations will be many. Iraq, which is Babylon. Iran, which is Persia, Libya, Sudan, and many, many others. And by the way, all these nations are Muslim nations, which is very, very interesting. The old Soviet Union, broken up, are all basically Muslim, which is very interesting. This, in effect, could be the reason why the Antichrist appears all of a sudden on the world scene, and it is Israel that makes a weak covenant with him, Daniel 9, 27, for seven years. Seven years. So the order of Ezekiel, 35 through 39, might run like this. 35 and 36 that we looked at last time. The cursing of the mountains of Edom and the blessings of the mountains of Israel and the new covenant is at the return of Jesus to the earth towards the end of the tribulation. 37, the vision of dry bones, has three phases. The birth of the nation, the gathering of the Jews from the four corners of the earth, and the breathing in of God's Spirit to make them alive and accept their Messiah. Now, we've seen the birth of the nation, the bones and the sinew and muscle come together in 1948, May 14. They declared independence for the third time as a nation after 2,000 years. The regathering from the four corners of the earth has not happened completely yet. They've started, many are back, 
but it's not ultimately fulfilled yet. And certainly God's spirit is not breathed upon them. They, they, they don't acknowledge Jesus as Messiah. That they don't accept the new covenant, which is very, very key. We find that in uh, Jeremiah 31 and also Ezekiel 36, the promise. The book of Hebrews also speaks about that. And the world scene is being set. Let me give you a quote of Prime Minister of Israel speaking from Jerusalem on July 31st of 206 as he told the leaders of the world during the attack of Hezbollah from Lebanon. Listen to him closely. Quote, today I am serving as the voice of six million bombarded Israeli citizens who serve as the voice of six million murdered Jews who were melted down to the dust and ashes by savages in Europe. In both cases, those responsible for these evil acts were and are barbarians devoid of all humanity who set themselves uh, one simple goal, to wipe the Jewish race off the face of the earth, as Adolf Hitler said, or to wipe the state of Israel off the map, as uh, Ahmad Din Ajad proclaims. And you, just as you did not take these words seriously then, you are ignoring them again now. And that, ladies and gentlemen, leaders of the world will not happen again. Never again will we wait for bombs that never come to hit the gas chambers. Never again will we wait for salvation that never arrives. Now we have our own air force. The Jewish people are now capable of standing up to those who seek their destruction. Those people will no longer be able to hide behind women and children they will no longer be able to evade the responsibility. And this is exactly what Hezbollah did as they attacked Israel from the north. They built all their Katushid rocket sites over hospitals, nurseries, and schools, knowing that the Jews would not bombard innocent civilians. And they went in, they cleared out the place, and they found all these things out. Interesting. The day of the Lord is throughout the Old Testament and New. It's a very important, significant period of time. And as we look at the world scene, no man knows that they're the hour, but let me tell you, when I see trees starting to put flower out, I know that summer's around the corner. And we see it even closer now than ever before. The day of the Lord is key according to the prophet Joel. In fact, if you just go forward, go past Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, and then Joel. Joel is a key um, prophet for the day of the Lord. Uh, there are five statements that Joel makes regarding the day of the Lord. Um, the prophet Joel, his name means Yahweh is God. He is one of the minor prophets, uh, if you remember when we studied him. And his ministry was um, to Judah near Jerusalem. And uh, he probably knew Elijah and Elisha through the schools of the prophets. And many believe Joel can coin the phrase, and, and the first to use it being the earliest prophet. Joel's message is both historical and prophetical in judgment for the day and the future. Now, look at Joel in chapter 1, verse 15. The first statement reveals its nature and its source. Uh, 115 says this. He says, Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction from the Almighty. Notice that the nature is destruction. Joel 2.2, 2, Amos 5.18-20 speaks about it. Zephaniah, the source is God Almighty. 
This is consistent in Isaiah, Revelation, throughout, over and over and over again. From the throne of God, wrath upon the earth. The instrument, by the way, as you go to the book of Revelation, is Satan. But it is God's wrath. It has given him time. It was given. It was permitted. Over and over, God sets the boundaries. Satan, the dragon, persecutes the woman Israel, as you know, in the middle of the seven years in Revelation chapter 12. The dragon is granted to make war against the saints and to overcome them, as well as having authority over the world. The saints that are there mentioned are those who will be saved through the tribulation and great tribulation. That is not the church. Don't put the church saints in the tribulation. We have not been appointed to wrath, but to salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 9, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. Revelation 3, 10. The time that comes testing upon the whole earth dwellers, the world, we're not included there. The people involved are the Jews and the ungodly world. And, and with good reason, because as you know, it is God's wrath that comes upon a world who has rejected God for so long. Jesus spoke about it in Matthew 24 to the Jewish nation that rejected him. Uh, the book of Revelation is very, very clear. And the Jews were rejecting the Messiah, as you know, uh, Matthew 23, 37, 39. Jesus said, you shall not see me henceforth till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Because they rejected, he wept over Jerusalem. Luke 19, 42, he says, if you would have known this thy day, the things that were prepared for you, now they're hid from your eyes. They knew the very day of their Messiah. Zechariah 9, 9 tells us, and they missed it when he rode into Jerusalem on the donkey in Matthew 21. They missed it. Zechariah says they shall look upon him whom they have pierced upon that day. The Gentiles for their ungodly deeds and blasphemies, as 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 through 9 says. So it's both on Jew and Gentile. Now, the phrase identifies the time of divine intervention to bring judgment to the earth then. It is God's wrath. Notice chapter 2, verse 1, the second statement, reveals its warning and certainty. He says, blow the trumpet of Zion and sound the alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. The warning notice is symbolized by the trumpet, the sound of the alarm, according to Numbers 10, for military uh, attack and retreat and so on and so forth, some religious fixates also. God has warned the world since Genesis. Uh, Jude 14 and 15 says the seventh from Adam, uh, Enoch prophesied about the judgment. He didn't prophesy about the first coming. Enoch prophesied about the second coming back in Genesis. Interesting. Jesus proclaimed in the parable of the wheat and the tares, the judgment to come in Matthew 13, 24 through 40. It would grow together, and then he would separate them at the end. God never has brought judgment without giving sufficient waiting time for people to repent. Noah's day, he gave 120 years. Sodom and Gomorrah, he sent some angels down. Pharaoh, he sent Moses, 12 plagues. Nineveh, sent Jonah. By the way, they did repent. The world has been warned for 2,000 years through the New Testament and the church. People mock it. People dismiss it. People say, ah, they've been saying that's my grandma's day. But guess what? We're a little closer than granny's day. He's coming. 
Pastor Xavier Reese, and a call for clarity when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. Now, don't miss next time for more from this study. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can pick up a copy of this message on CD for only $4. The title to ask for is Ezekiel and the Day of the Lord. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. So once again, the title to ask for is Ezekiel and the Day of the Lord. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. What happens to those who are caught off guard when the Lord returns? That question and more coming up on the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 